Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Listeners, have you ever heard this before? Have you ever heard a prospective seller tell you, I would happily list my house with you, but I can't until I find a home to buy? Boy, is that ever a conversation ender. Yeah, I would list my home, but uh, where's all the inventory? You know, sellers can go online. They're searching all the time. Everything they see is pending. There's not a whole lot popping up. I would give you my listing, but where am I going to go? Now, here's the thing. With record low inventory nationwide, Realtors seem to be hearing the same thing day in and day out, which we just said, I'd move, but where would I go? For most agents, unfortunately, that's the end of the conversation. Simultaneously ending the possibility of taking a new listing, as well as facilitating that buyer side. After all, nationwide inventory is at all-time lows, and according to Altos Research, it bubbles up between 400,000 and 500,000 actives. When you take the pendings out, we're still at least a million listings shy of being in a balanced market. Okay, does not include all new construction, number one, but number two, here's something I want you guys to keep in mind. Your sellers who have who want to you know obviously buy something else once their property sells whether it's more expensive or less expensive they are guess what not worried about the interest rate that is not what's holding them back what's holding them back is the lack of something to choose to purchase that's what their issue is why is it not the interest rate because most of the sellers in your marketplace half of which have homes with no mortgages roughly speaking and the other half have mortgages where they have 50% equity So virtually all the prospective sellers that you're working with don't really care too much about the interest rates because they're going to have so much money down, their payment is not going to be that significant anyway, and or they could buy the interest rates down. Do not get stuck in the emotional, mental mud, uh, believing that this market, especially with sellers, is uh, the the slowdown is rate driven. It's not. Now, first time buyers? Yes. I agree. First time buyers? They are definitely having a, uh, a mortgage rate, you know, payment shock issue. And to that, it's just going to get worse because rents are going to increase. So all the while they're hoping and praying that mortgage rates uh, decrease, their rents are going to increase. And a lot of times those uh, first-time buyer types are going to be stuck in a long-term renting cycle, w- which can last their mm-hmm. lifetime. So we've done lots of podcasts yeah. on that, how to present to those types of folks so that they can essentially move themselves out of payment shock and into the reality that housing is expensive and it's not getting cheaper. You might as well own it, uh, uh, you know, own the house yourself versus basically renting it. But again, with regards to the first time buyer question, right. but this podcast, we're really focusing on, I would list with you, but I'm not convinced that there's anything to buy. I'm not going to sell it just to be homeless. So don't just answer with, yeah, there's really nothing on the market. I mean, everything in the MLS is already pending. Realtors, stop saying that. I'll put you in my search widget and we'll watch for something to pop up together. I'll drip on you. I'll drip on you. Okay, <laughs> well, that's one method of maybe someday possibly finding something for your would-be sellers to buy. You can't end the conversation there and expect to actually do any business. 
market forces are working against you. Rates are higher. Inventory is scarce. Add some inflation, the specter of possible recession, and overall uncertainty. And now you've got a transitioning market. And if you're just going to roll over and say, well, yep, there's nothing to buy, you're done. You're what? not actually in real estate when you talk like that. But it's all those points amplified. Because when was the last time you went to any source, any media source, and they were making you feel optimistic? Never. Never, right? I mean, everything, including alien visitation, is now essentially making the headlines. It's, it's discouraging people from feeling optimistic. So you're going to have to understand that most people don't listen to our podcast uh, and don't know the importance of having media-free mornings, media-free days, media-free lives. In other words, purging all of that mm -hmm. stuff. So you're going to have to remember when you're talking to folks that a lot of times you're going to have to help them move past their hesitance that's being constantly reinforced by their friends, their family, the news media, and all the rest of it. So Absolutely. just keep that in mind. Well, you do have a choice to make. You can either wait for the market to bounce back, or you can create your own opportunities by being more proactive. We prescribed the mantra, hope for the best, but plan for the worst. Assume you're not going to wake up to 3.5% interest rates and double the inventory. That is not going to happen. Back to our conversation with that would-be seller client who won't list with you because they don't want to become homeless. Here are the top five solutions that go beyond waiting and watching for magic inventory to arise. Okay, good news for all of you. The notes from today's show are down below, along with the opportunity for you to explore becoming a Harris Certified Coach. We informally talked about it two days ago, and we have formally now decided that we are going to open up our Harris Certified Coach Certification Program again. So if you're interested, and we have not done this for two years, but if you're interested in not just learning how to be a real estate coach, but have a real estate coaching business, make sure you click the link below in the show description and fill out the form. It is We are highly selective who we have as a prospective real estate coach. Um, and uh, yeah, it's owners. The process is not just simply by, you know, you're not just going to buy a certificate. You actually have to earn the right to be a Harris Certified Coach. Our name is on your certification, and you have to assume we're going to take that very seriously. So the link to become a Harris Certified Coach is below, or you can just go to harriscertifiedcoach.com. All right, Julie, these are the top five solutions. Solutions to when they say that's an objection, I would list with you, I would move, but where am I going to go to? Okay, top five solutions so you can still take the listing. Number one, consider building a home instead of chasing after the scarce resale inventory. There are several advantages to this option. First, many builders are buying down interest rates and using their in-house financing. The buyer can lock in a better rate this way, thus giving them lower payments. Next advantage, the house is new. No rehab for them and no inspection nightmares for you. It's all good. Your client can get in, get their home on the market a couple of months prior to the completion and not have to move twice. And finally, when your client builds, they aren't having to compete in a bidding war. It's all good. Now, your uh, points were mostly geared towards production builders. Yes. But if you're not having a market with a lot of production builders, the big, you know, Epcons and, well, I mean, you know, I'm thinking. MI and KB Homes and all, all the big guys. ones, right? Yeah. That's fine. Just go to a builder. In most of the country, there are builders that build ones and twos and threes houses here and there mm -hmm. on your land. Align yourself with those guys. You can have the same result. Very well put. You have to go look for it. Be proactive. Okay, number two, consider, and again, these thing, these five things are playing into your conversations so that you can counsel with your sellers, who your buyers who are would-be sellers. Maybe they could consider buying first, closing, and then listing the previous home. Don't assume that your buyer-seller prospects won't or can't utilize this option. They may have a down payment save that's not actually in their home equity. They might use a bridge loan to borrow their equity, close on the next home, and then sell the old one. 
You don't know if you don't ask. The advantage is that your client can make a non-contingent offer, secure their home, and deal with their old house later. Make sure that you know lenders who offer bridge loans and understand how to explain this option. There's a lot of those out there. You should at least run it up the flagpole and see if it makes sense. But a lot of people can purchase their next home without actually having yes. to sell their a present one. Mm -hmm. And oh, the underlying point of Julie's point number two there was don't assume that the thing, don't assume that your perspectives on finances and risk is the same as theirs uh -huh. because you're just going to, you're not going to approach the uh, prospective seller about purchasing something with all their options. So let them know you have several choices on how we can move forward, Mr. You know, seller. Here's one, here's two, here's three, here's four. Mm -hmm. And which one is best for you? That's the point of this podcast is to have those conversations instead of saying, yep, there's no inventory. We'll just drip and wait for something to drip on you. We, I mean, was it? 30% of all the home sales are it's uh, new construction. Are new construction, right? Yeah. And that's going to be at least 50%. It's 30% and rising for sure. Okay, so number three. And so, you know, some of these, these five uh, possibilities, it also goes to how the seller's mindset is. Are they somebody that has no problem buying first and then selling second? Are they a little bit more risk adverse? So this number three goes to that point. Consider selling first, then renting for a while and taking time to look for the right home. The advantage here is that the seller has cashed out their equity and is ready to pounce on the right home, but without the pressure of organizing closing and possession dates. Who are your go-to leasing agents? Consider both traditional rentals, short-term vacation rentals that may consider a lease, as well as apartment complexes, uh, complexes. Many have some great amenities that could work for a short or longer-term lease while you help your client find the right home to buy. Again, you don't know if you don't run it up the flagpole, do you? Okay, number four, consider getting the seller's home on the market now, but make the acceptance of an offer contingent on seller finding suitable housing. The buyer will probably want a specific time frame, but you can usually get 90 to 120 days to secure the next home for your seller who is now a buyer. Many buyers in today's market are just anxious to find the right home and will be flexible with the seller's situation. It's still, in most places, a seller's market. The advantage to your client is that they won't have to move twice and you've negotiated for them enough time to look for the next place. A seller lease back to that buyer, the new owner, is another way to handle that. Just depends on the time frame. Okay, so let's give them the sticky uh, details of this one. So yes. if you're, a lot of your buyers are putting enough money down Mm -hmm. or and don't are, are paying cash for the house they can easily do leasebacks to the uh seller yeah they're just happy to get the house secured exactly and the, the seller's happy to know what money they're going to have for their next one it, so they can do leasebacks that might even last a year right because it, to julie's point they were they're just happy to have the house yep and so don't off don't have these you have to have these thoughts bouncing around your head otherwise you're not going to be able to offer these different options to your prospective sellers. That's right. Well, that's why our coaching clients get a copy of this so they can turn it into a leave behind when they have these conversations and use it for their scripting. Well, look at that right now. Compare, uh, you know, Combine number four with number one, right? Mm -hmm. Someone's building. It's going to be done in, say, 12 sure. to 18 months. Uh -huh. You can then basically put their existing house on, this, on the market, Get a con uh, obviously sell it, have the sellers receive the proceeds from the closing. They become tenants of their former house that mm -hmm. they owned. They now, the lease is written in such a way that they only have to move once from their existing house to their new construction house. You can do these types of things in this market. You just have to open your mind to the possibilities. Well, another version of that is simply punching out the closing date to be 90 days instead of 30 days. You could work it that way as well. Well, no one's ever going to I like do, to have it closed, but. No yeah. one's ever going to do that in my marketplace. Okay, how many of you are selling properties <laughs> in areas where there's second and third homes? You think that somebody who lives in, you know, 
wherever, say in North Carolina, and they only go down to Florida, you don't think they're going to be more than willing to essentially do a leaseback deal like that or something creative sure like that? Will. Guys, think out of the box. There's opportunities everywhere. You're just going to have to be more creative and more professional and more skilled in how you put the deals together. That's right. Point number five, consider keeping the old house, turning it into a rental for now, and proceed to find and purchase the next home. You can handle the lease yourself or refer it to your favorite leasing agent. The home stays an asset for your client and they can keep their low interest rate mortgage if that's their bugaboo. Don't assume that this isn't an option. You have to ask. Remember that Americans currently have record high credit scores and record high equity. They may be more comfortable taking this option than you think. In some markets, keeping the home and turning it into a short-term rental, short-term versus a long-term traditional rental, can be very profitable. It might be the best option for your client. And the, the only proof you need of that point is the fact that we have low inventory. But Julie, I don't want to turn a house into a rental. I want to get the listing and get the commission. Well, then you're going to cost yourself on the transaction that you would have done when those sellers move up to buy something. Yeah. At least now, you can keep the property in your air quote inventory as it's being rented. And then when they want to put it for sale a year from now, you still have that relationship. Now, it's worth mentioning, we're not suggesting you property manage that thing. We're suggesting that you just rent it and then you let the owner rent uh, manage it. And not, if you Unless put, you are a property manager, then go for it. If you have a good quality tenant that you're putting in there and you're using something super simple like Buildium, guess what? Not a lot of management's necessary. It manages yep. itself. Exactly. Okay. So those were the five top five solutions. What's the bottom line? You can't just wait around for listings to appear for your seller prospects who have to buy. Be proactive with different solutions that could work for them or combine some of these solutions. You'll have more transactions and they'll value your expertise, netting you both current business as well as future repeat and referral business. This is very much you being the problem solver, which I realize you guys, you know, going through hot sellers market for years and years and years, the only solution you were is making sure that your bid won whenever possible. It's not your fault that you don't have these thoughts naturally in your head, but it will be your thought, it will be your fault if you don't get some solutions out there for people who really would move. I mean, how many people do you run across day in and day out who say, I would love to move. I want more space. I need a better school district. I need more bedrooms. I want a bigger backyard, or but I can't find it. Or they're going to say, I know I'm going to move when Sally graduates from high school in the next yeah. two years. Uh, but they'd actually, you know, maybe now they find they stumble across something that is going to be, say, a new construction house on that meets the criteria of what they wanted to sure. move to or whatever. So they can move all that, they can move that process forward. Sally can still graduate from the same high school. Nothing has to change there. You just have to be more creative in how you're going to make these transactions. Think out of the box. The lack of inventory is going to cure itself over time. There's a big, you know, the thesis is that all these people are locked into long-term low interest rates and that's the reason they're not putting their houses for sale. I think that's true, but a very minority of people are actually thinking like that. The real issue is lack of inventory. People right now would be buying and selling if there's more homes for sale. There's going to become more homes for sale because all the people that are essentially, it's a, it's a pent up. You and I used to call it during the housing bust. We called it the constipated python. Right. I you know, because yeah. the, the number of foreclosures and all these things that were Get stuck in the pipeline. In the, right, yeah. exactly. We called it the constipated python because that was kind of funny and gross, frankly. <laughs> you always like gross. <laughs> well, yeah. but that's what it kind of feels like now. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there are a lot true. of... A lot of people have taken themselves out of the market, aren't putting their homes for sale, but all the natural sort of life events are going to catch up with them mm -hmm. and they're going to end up having to sell the house. This is why builders are ecstatic. This yes. is why builder sentiment is through the roof. They're building, they're building more, there's more permits. 
you know, all you need to know is the demand side. You guys know that because you still have, I think it's uh, something like 40% of recent sales were a competitive bidding situation. You don't have that when, when demand is low. Well, what's more powerful, interest rates or demographics? Demographics, Dem 100%. You guys understand? People move because of their situation and their circumstances. They don't move just because the interest rate ticked down by a quarter point. Nope, they don't. Or you'd be shocked. A lot of you, you think, oh, people only want to be, you know, people are financially motivated. And that's the whole reason they buy or sell real estate. That is so rarely true with 99% of everyone out there that it's not even worth having that thought. Most people are buying and selling real estate because of what Julie just said, their life situation. Their life situation, quality of life, and it's, you know, there's their first time buyer house, there's a move up house, there's sometimes a couple transactions before that. Some people end up buying the, you know, the statement big ego house, and then the process starts again. Right. As they downsize. downsize yeah. I mean, that's the way it is. I mean, you know, it's funny, Julie and I sometimes, though not in Puerto Rico, but in other places, we go to open houses <laughs> and um, mostly I torture agents and see how bad they are with their skill set. No, I'm kidding. Not really. Not really. But so we walk in these Sometimes. open houses and I remember Julie and I were walking through this one. It was like in Austin and like the house went on and on and on. It was spectacular. There's some, you know, Texans know how to big build big, big mansions. Big right. Yeah. And then I remember you and I walked, we, we were standing in the driveway and we were looking at this thing and like you had to pan just to look at the whole yeah. damn thing. And it, do you remember the house? It was a castle. About? I totally remember. Yeah. It, it, a bunch of people, that, it was a couple that made a bunch of money when, um, what was that company called? The uh, computer, the, Dell. Dell. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, Austin, they're called Dellionaires or Dell or something yep, like that. a lot of that. Anyway, so these people had taken this house and gone over to, you know, this idea, this dream fantasy house, gone over to Italy and brought back like tile from it was Tuscany. A castle. It was ridiculous. Yeah, I do so, remember. So we're sitting there, we're thinking of this thing. I even remember the price. It was like $5 million yeah, or something. Yeah, it was something. up there. And it was on beautiful land, huge, mm -hmm. just gorgeous. It's probably now like 15 million, but probably. yeah, I'm sure it is. Anyway, so we were thinking to ourselves, what is it? We're looking at now the other end of the rainbow, right? Here's somebody that spent a lot of their lives, you know, fantasizing, working, building, curating, cure, yeah. exactly, creating this huge vision of this beautiful, amazing, spectacular house. And now they don't want it anymore. Like, where does that person go, right? Yeah, it's funny. What, what's next? Yes, it is the cycle of housing, guys. It is. But it's, you know, that's just the nature of it. So, yeah, when you're going through these, when you're thinking about real estate, think about how many times the average person is going to transact. And if you're looking at the demographics of the number of people out there that have to uh, transact, uh, sell real estate, sell a home, it's extraordinary. Just millions and millions and millions and millions of homes right now have to come for sale over the next like 10 years or less. Mm -hmm. And then you have the number of younger people, 33, 34 years old, that are in family formation. The demographics right now are the strongest tsunami level winds at your back that you can possibly imagine. And we'll over, this is the reason, and uh, it's kind of interesting, uh, Logan um, Hugh. Modashami? Yeah. He's always saying that real estate has proven itself to be outside of the yeah. Uh, uh, well, outside of, you know, what the Fed is trying to manipulate. What they can control. Outside of their control, outside of all of those things, because it is its own animal. And it's that is because, though it is an asset. It's okay, the demographics, too. It's the demographics. Though it is an asset, that's true. It does not behave like other assets, like stocks and right. things like that, because of this circumstantial thing. People move for other reasons, right? Some people, how many listeners, I mean, you guys can can identify, we certainly could, some people move, they had no intention of moving, but they happened into an open house or a new construction home 
And it just blew them away and they fell in love with it. And they're like, maybe we should just buy this. Yeah. And then that creates a listing. It doesn't have to be, you know, all of these, this witchcraft and alchemy of economic reasons. It's circumstantial. It's because, you know, one of my coaching clients, I, yeah, cause I always ask, you know, tell me about the motivation. We're gauging what is the likelihood of the deal happening, right? Why is that buyer buying? And they said, well, they have to build because they have to have a five bedroom house. Why do they need a five bedroom house? Because they already have four kids and they're adopting twins. That is a circumstantial reason that is independent of industry. Did you of say interest five rates. kids and they're adopting two more? They have four and they're getting two more. How many, yeah. how many kids were in the Brady Bunch? I don't think it was that I many. I think it was six. I don't know. But you know, <laughs> lots of bedrooms. You need bedrooms, right? So that that's a motivating factor that is independent of all of these greater factors that everybody likes to predict. And, oh, now that rates are higher, nobody's going to move. None of this. You know, it is demographics that are ultimately driving this both with millennials and, uh, you know, what did I read? It's 15 million or something like millennials are, quote, coming of buying age in the next couple of years. And then the generation below them will do the same thing. So they're all going to want to buy houses as well. And we don't have enough inventory to go well, around. Well, there's, there's the, I mean, you could, this goes on and on and on. This is yeah. not just those... We also have immigrants, you know, recent Americans, they want to buy. And well, the Generation Z and yep. all, it just goes, the, the number of people... The, the number of people that are going to want to do a real estate transaction in the next forever is extraordinary. So look, guys, you are in the right place at the right time. If you're not feeling optimistic, if you're not feeling crazy, bouncing off the walls, happy that you're in real estate, you got to maybe change your, uh, change your environment, change your mental environment, your emotional environment, change who you're listening to, change what you're watching, change because there is absolutely no reason to believe that you're not in the right place at the right time. You just have to decide that's for yourself. And look, the thoughts that you take away from this podcast and the thoughts you take away into the future, those are going to be determined of the actions that you take. So if you're going to go from listening to this podcast and feeling optimistic, feeling excited, and then you're going to go watch something that's going to make you depressed, what's going to happen is after that? Are you going to make that uh, call to that uh, expired or that center of influence past client person? Are you actually going to do something that could result in something better in your future where you're going to help your, or you're going to put yourself in a position to help people and make money? Or are you just going to basically pile on and read more negative crap, negative crap, and negative crap? And wait for rates to come down and wait for the market to crash and wait for housing prices to come down, none of which is actually going to happen. During this right during this time where there's perceived uncertainty, it is the best time to seize market share and make money because other people are waiting. They don't know what to do. They're not listening to this podcast. Nope. They're not you ready to take action. What they're doing is they're waiting. They're waiting for this to be over. They're waiting for rates to fall. They're waiting for inventory to increase. Wait for the they're election waiting. to end. Got to do that. Or whatever. Gotta wait for better weather. And there's 15 elections after that. They're going yep. to look for more reasons to wait. You become the proactive lead generator. You become the agent that has the skill set. And I assure you that this is going to be an extraordinary run for you for the next 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, however you choose, however long you choose to stay in real estate. It'll be amazing for you because of the actions you took today. Only when you take the actual actions. I can, I can tell you, our coaching clients that are doing the things that they learn absolutely are in momentum. They're having their best years ever. They're not, you know, it's, I think of them as like being insulated from all of this other drama. Well, they it, don't it's not really it. relevant to them. They don't talk about the drama. No, they're making their own market. Exactly. Totally. You Listen, guys, thank you for keeping this number one listen to daily podcast for real estate professionals in at least the United States. Um, the show notes for today's show and all podcasts 
are down below. So just scroll down, whether you're on iTunes, Spotify, wherever, just scroll down. The notes are there waiting for you. Also, if you're interested in learning how to become a Harris Certified Coach, the link is below. Scroll down, click the link, fill out the form, and we'll get the conversation started. In the meantime, thank you, thank you, thank you for keeping this number one listen to daily podcast for real estate professionals in at least the United States. You guys have a, fa- guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.